Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is an Intel Studios production that's enhanced with Intel technology. To see pictures, articles, and links of what's being discussed, download the Intel app by going to entale.com. Well, we started. Yeah. Let's start. Great. How are you? Um, I'm very good. Are you? You know, whenever we do this bit and we go, so what have you been up to this week? I can never think of anything, anything. No. that I've been up to. I've done nothing. Actually, I've done a lot of physio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I had a little um, tear in my calf. Mm-hmm. And um, we're running a 10K this weekend for cancer research. And um, I, I wanted to make sure that I could run. Mm-hmm. And we weren't absolutely sure until today. I'm completely recovered. Are you um, completely recovered? I am completely recovered. So you can run this 10K? I can, yeah. On, on, okay. Yeah, maybe not as fast as you, but... Well, how can. fast do you think you can run a 10K these days? On a good day, yeah, yeah. in a n- normal circumstances, yeah. probably an hour. An hour? An hour, okay. maybe an hour and, hour and ten. Okay, great. Well, should but, we set your, you a target? Set you and me a target? God, it's so tough. Yeah, no, no yeah. I think if you aim at something, an you're likely to hit it. Let's do it. An hour and ten. Yeah. And I'll go for an hour and five. I think you should go for sub an hour. Are you kidding me? No, I don't. I mean, You're I haven't so run one fast. for maybe You're like five a years. Whip it. Okay. No, well, You're let's really go now. You're good in your training. You've been amazing. Yeah, no, but I'm only on a treadmill. I mean, it's my job to be the adjudicator here. Yes. Oh, now I'm <laughs> going to introduce Megan because um, it is quite rude, actually, that we just gas along. And well, I was just going to tell. I was going to tell you a couple of interesting things, then, and then we were going to introduce her. But maybe we could we could do that after. I would like to introduce Megan because she holds a very special place in my heart. Okay. Okay, so this is Dr. Megan Rossi. Mm -hmm. And I met her because um, we were working together with Rivita um, talking about fibre with Deborah James, who is Bow Babe on Instagram. If you're not following her, Mm -hmm. please get on the program and follow her. She's incredible Mm -hmm. and inspiring. We were talking about gut health, poo, fiber Mm -hmm. cancer Mm -hmm. like all of it and i learned so much from megan and my daughter um had holly who you know and love megan and you know and love uh, Mm -hmm. michael um she'd been interested in becoming a doctor and after i met megan because we talked to so many gps Mm -hmm. and morale is at an all-time low i think for gps in the national health system and it's very sad when Holly was trying to talk to these doctors they Mm. were all saying don't do it don't do it so it slightly put her off being a doctor yeah when I met Megan I was like oh my goodness she can treat people because dietetics right absolutely you can you can actually treat people and diagnose things Mm. and have that one-to-one contact with people um but it's also about food and Holly is as you know obsessed with food so I got them together okay and Megan has changed the course of Holly's life forever and she's now going to do dietetics and nutrition at (gasps) university okay so gut health doctors are they a new thing because you're the first gut health doctor I've ever heard of (laughs) So I am a dietitian by background, okay. um, as Davina said, and then I've done a PhD specialising in the area of gut health. Mm. 
And, you know, gut health is such a hot and new topic, mm-hmm. I guess. It's How long has it been around really, for, like, in, the, you in know, its, its current a, form? Yeah, so it's only become, I guess, a hot topic in the last probably five or so years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the reason, well, firstly, what actually is gut health is yeah, probably yes. the yeah, important exactly. thing. Yeah. You know, it's in the media a lot, but actually what it is, is rarely communicated. So gut health actually relates to the functioning of our entire digestive tract. So it's a nine meter long tube that essentially delivers food from entry all the way to exit. And if I had to summarize why gut health is so important, there's really two reasons. The first one is along that nine meters actually lays 70% of our immune system. So if we want things like less sick days, Mm -hmm. lower risk of allergies and autoimmune conditions, we need to have good gut health. Mm -hmm. And the second element, which has really brought the fame to this concept, and that is the fact that we contain trillions of bacteria within that nine meter digestive tract. And I think it's those bacteria that's brought, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of the fame. And we've always known, like, you know, for a long time, you know, a century, we've known that there's bacteria in people. Mm But we didn't actually know what they could do and the quantity of them until about a decade ago when, yeah, the technologies allowed us to actually sequence them. So identify the different DNA, which essentially just means what the microbes and the bacteria can actually do in terms of like enzymes and digestion and the chemicals they can produce. And that really has like set it off. So when I started dietetics 14 years ago, you know, at university, we didn't really know much about Mm -hmm. it. And it's just been through, you know, the development and research, um, which I was, you know, kind of lucky in terms of I was there at the right time, that it has really exploded. And it's an area that I'm just now so passionate about because I see not only in the research element where I work at King's, but um, on a day-to-day basis in clinical practice, I see it transforming people's lives in really powerful ways. Do you feel like you're still, there's so much more to learn? Because if all of those discoveries have happened in the last 10 years... There must be so many more discoveries to make. Yeah, there really is. We're just touching the edges. There is so much potential. And I think it's important that we do appreciate that it is early days because there's a lot of companies, I think, starting to hear that, you know, gut health is a trend and they're trying to go before the science is really available. Um, So, yeah, it's exciting, but I think we need to be careful that we don't overemphasize what we know at the moment. So what is the difference between a, a a bacteria and a microbiome are they the same thing yeah yeah. they are okay really no really good question so the community of trillions of microbes Mm -hmm. in our gut that includes things like bacteria which they're like the majority of we also have things like parasites um, viruses and fungi like yeast which actually synergistically work and this community we call our gut microbiota okay and then the gut microbiome is like the collection of the genes so this kind of the functions mm-hmm. of them so we call this community our gut microbiota and the genes the things they can do is called our gut microbiome ah okay so it's just a and ba- and the bacteria, bacteria just is part of that it's part of that but it's yeah. not all of that not all no, of them okay. but they do dominate and often when we're just you know generally chatting it's mm. easier just to say the bacteria because some people go who are just very new to this go mm. oh my god i've got viruses i need to go and take something i'm mm. sick i'm yeah. like actually no the research shows that some people who've got who don't have these viruses actually high risk of things like irritable bowel syndrome and inflammatory Mm -hmm. bowel disease so we think synergistically they really are protecting us i listened to a a funny little fact yesterday because i had a quick look online because i knew we were coming to see you but there was a a doctor on there that was saying if you took a linear centimeter of your intestine there is more bacteria in there than humans that have ever been born in the history of the world (laughs) yeah (laughs) That's a brilliant fact, that, isn't yeah. it? One centimetre of it. 
Yeah, no, it's crazy. Like we Mm. contain more bacterial cells in our body than Mm -hmm. we do human cells. So there's a concept of, are we really just aliens in disguise? Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, so it is really fascinating. And we're starting to see it's not just a number of the bacteria, but also the skills they can do. So they can do so many things that humans couldn't do on their own in terms of producing vitamins and hormones, Mm -hmm. you know, communicating with our brain and so many other factors. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, I'm always interested to know why you ended up here, like, uh, in this field. Like, yeah. were you just interested in it? Is it luck that, that you found yourself in a kind of uh, an area that's exploring like yeah. this? Or? So in my final year of um, nutrition and dietetics, my grandma actually passed away of bowel cancer, and I was okay. really close to her. So I had a bit of a thing with the gut, so actually mm-hmm. a negative relationship with the gut. And then I was working as a clinical dietitian, so in the hospital setting, with really quite sick people, And, you know, whether they had disease in their heart or their kidneys, they all came to me complaining of gut issues. And I thought, what is it Mm. about this bloody organ? Yes, my grandma had the disease in her gut. That made sense. But why are people having disease in very different parts complaining of gut issues? So I thought, you know what? I owe it to my grandma and my patients to really try and understand it. So that's when I did the PhD uh, in gut health and looked at whether we nourish the gut through the right nutrition, whether that could improve the health of other organs. Mm -hmm. And it was a positive trial, which really just, you know, blew my mind to think that actually, you know, we can control a lot of our health. Not all of it, but Mm -hmm. a lot of it actually is in our own hands. We just need to understand how to nurture this kind of inner community. Because there was that amazing stat that came up in... um uh, when we did that day's work with Deborah, and the lady from Rivita came in and she gave Deborah a stat, mm-hmm. and it was so immense. Was it 28%? It was 28% of mm-hmm. all bowel cancer cases, yeah. so not all of them, but just no. 28% yeah. um, could be prevented by eating more fibre. Yeah, it's and, even, and yeah. Deborah went, No, I, I'm sorry, I've got to phone my friends at yeah, Cancer yeah. Research because that cannot be true. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying, because obviously Deborah has bowel cancer, yes. that's not saying that she caused her bowel cancer. It's not a way of shaming people. Yes. But it is a preventative thing mm-hmm. that if we all got a bit more fibre mm-hmm. in our diet, actually it could have a profound effect on our health later on in life. Yeah, well, Bowel cancer now. is the third biggest mm-hmm. cancer killer in the world. And it just doesn't get that attention that I think it you know, deserves. Because a lot of it, like you've said, we can actually you know, um, have an impact through our diet. Mm. It's interesting. I'd like to probably talk a bit more about that as we go along because I don't know if you've got kids or not, but trying to encourage kids to eat certain foods, it's it's like the Rubik's Cube or something. Yeah, like, yeah. it's why really Why on earth hard. would they eat this and not that? So although you know we can say oh, we, we've got a certain amount of control over it, I, I'm not sure how much control people actually have about what they choose to eat or not eat because there are things I wish I could eat, but I just can't get them down, and I don't understand why not. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I, I don't have kids, but I've got a little nephew. Okay. Um, and I kind of do some experimenting yeah. with him. And I find that when kids get control over certain things, so if you take them to the farmer's markets and they pick their veggie for the week and then they have oh, to come home and idea. cook it. And like the kefir, which I'm sure we'll talk about, mm. he makes his own kefir and he sees the grains and he sees how it changes his belly and like really involving them in the okay. science, I feel helps, you know, yes. get more kids on board. But yeah, God, it's super hard. I'm not saying it's easy at all. Um, and I think mystery. it's introducing Crikey. as many different flavors to your kids. But, you know, I did that with mine. They all had fish pie at mm. sort of eight months old in a, you know, mushed up kind of, yeah. no bones or anything. But Tilly wouldn't go near a fish now 
for love nor money. It's I couldn't weird, get her to it? eat fish at all. And I keep saying to her, you loved fish. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. loved it. She overdosed on like it. it. <laughs> yeah, possibly. You know, you don't know what, what little yeah. thing turns them off. But they do develop their own taste because I've brought up three children mm-hmm. and they've all been fed by me mm-hmm. and they've all been fed the same meals when they were little. They all let together mm-hmm. and they've all formed their own tastes. It's very weird likes. that. I told you about my kids won't eat tomatoes. Yes. And I blame Charlie and Lola's book, I Will Not Ever, Ever Eat a Tomato. <laughs> Because ever since they read that book as kids, neither of them have touched tomato ever since. And they did up until that point. So whoever the author or the illustrator is of that book, I'm going to lay the blame at your feet. (laughs) Psychologically, obviously, because there is this link between our gut and our brain, Mm -hmm. our thoughts can have a huge impact in terms of whether we like a food or not. So Mm -hmm. if you get food poisoning after maybe having some seafood, a lot of people can never go near it again because they just want dry roots. Yeah. So there is this really strong connection. So you have to be careful mm. of how that develops, particularly when we talk about food intolerances, which may be coming up next. Oh, great. <laughs> yes, so yes. let's talk about that because mm. what obviously we review things um, on here and you are going to be just the perfect person to tell us. There are so many products out there at the moment. Everything mm. begins with a K. You know, kimchi, kefir, kombucha, like kale. It's all It's like the Kardashians. (laughs) Mm. They're just trying to name all healthy. Um, And it feels feels faddy to me. And it's not just faddy. It's also immensely expensive. I mean, kefir, you know, lovely. But like one pint of milk costs 60p. And this is like £2.60. And what is kefir? I've never even heard of this stuff. What is it? Yeah, so kefir essentially is a fermented milk. It's kind of like yogurt, Mm -hmm. except it's like a yogurt on steroids because a yogurt might have one or two types of bacteria in it, whereas kefir has, you know, 20 different types, as well as some yeast, which we think is actually quite beneficial. Um, So actually, I did bring some of my kefir grains along. Oh, right, in this little jar. Yeah, so I call them grains, but they're not like a normal grain, Mm -hmm. um, not like a, you know, a cereal grain. What you're seeing there is little cauliflowers and the microbes have actually built this like their home so like a spider builds a web the microbes build these little cauliflowers to live in to think that there are lives millions of microbes of microbes this is a tamagotchi you've got to look after it and keep it alive <laughs> Be careful, keep i killed it alive. all the tamagotchis <laughs> I, did, did yeah. I said to my kids in the end don't give me the tamagotchi <laughs> it will die <laughs> Well, this is a lot easier to keep alive. Okay. Because all you need to do is put it in some milk, some cow's milk, and then you leave it on the bench. It works best about 24 degrees, so maybe somewhere in winter a bit warmer. Mm -hmm. Um, What happens as you leave it out is the microbes start to get into the milk and they eat the milk sugar, Mm -hmm. the lactose, and turn it into beneficial organic acids. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then after about... 12 to 24 hours depending on the temperature um you then all you do is strain out the grains and then you've got kefir so it literally costs as much as the 60p yeah that is an amazing bit of advice there because i do think these are very overpriced for what they are they are and also they're not um you know i think if people don't want to make it home fine you can you know dabble in it but they don't actually contain the same bacterial and um, yeast profile um, as the traditional stuff uh so you know I anecdotally speaking think that the health benefits are more likely with the homemade stuff where there is the yeast Mm -hmm. um, because actually yeast has been shown to be quite protective. So does this arguably just keep growing? It does, yeah. You just have more milk or whatever. Yeah, you have to give them away actually and it really brings in this community feel Mm -hmm. because they'll just multiply and if you have too many it'll over ferment. So, you know, every month or so you have to give away some to friends and family to start doing their own. 
And do these microbiomes, do they essentially eat the lactose yeah. and then digest it and pass out the organic acids? The organic acids. Yeah. So that is like the feces of the microbiome. Yeah, I would like to say the byproducts of them. <laughs> that you can byproducts, byproducts. <laughs> the beneficial okay. chemicals you that they produce. You want to just say poo. I just want to say feces. Oh, we can yeah, talk like, about poo, don't yeah, you worry. Okay, great, great. Um, but um, what God, would you, amazing. how would you eat this then? Like a yogurt, so on a cereal, on its own, in a bowl? Yeah, so um, I have mine in overnight fermented oats. So I actually use the kefir mm-hmm. in my oats. So I put it yes, overnight okay. and then let the so, microbes then start to ferment actually some of the cereal grains. So it's even like a second ferment. Um, but a lot of people do milkshakes with it, like add in some tofu to thicken it up with some fruit. People just drink it like a um, sweet drink. And can um, you OD on kefir? Can you get too many bacteria? If you've got a sensitive gut, so people are prone to things like bloating um, and maybe a little bit of diarrhea, then you can probably overdo it if you go from none to Mm -hmm. having like, you know, 500 meals. So what I recommend if you are new to it is you just start with like, and you have a sense of gut, have like 50 meals um, for the first week, then move up to 100 meals a day. But I'd say, you know, it depends on everyone's requirements um, in terms of energy, but 100 to 150 meals a day. I am going to get Michael to try some of these because I was a bit scared when Miriam, my friend, Mm -hmm. uh, said, try some of this. I'm very anti-fad anything. I just think, unless I've spoken to you, I need like a hotline to you to say, is it worth it? But she said, actually, kefir really is. And you've got to find the right one. Yeah. No, I would say um, make it Are there it any yourself. brands that you... Make it yourself. Yeah, make it yourself because I'm you know then class. it's okay. made from the grains. Mm-hmm. Um, and I completely agree with the whole fads and things like that. But if we actually think about it, fermented foods like kefir has been around for thousands of years. Okay. Um, and although we don't have the hardcore clinical evidence of the scientific studies to show that it's got a health benefit, and we do have that anecdotal evidence from our ancestors who've been passing it down through okay. generations. Okay. Um, now, it's, yeah, with the science, you know, it's not to say they don't have a benefit, which is just hard to, you know, get funders to actually fund a fermented food study. Um, but I am working on it, so oh, okay. hopefully in time we'll have more hard oh, evidence. You? Yeah. How do you get money for a study? Do you just have to keep applying to various government grants? And yeah, like so there is um, different government grants that do nutrition calls, so okay. we'll apply to them. But also, you know, there is... Um, a government push to do more industry-led research mm-hmm. and I think that's a whole nother story but there is a lot of pushback from the public saying you know that's a biased study because it was funded by research yes, absolutely but um, you know we at the moment at Kings have got a, a study funded by the California walnuts um, or not walnuts almonds and you know they have no involvement in the research design or the analysis oh, they've just good. said here's some almonds we want to see if it's got a benefit We've come up with the hypothesis of changing whether it's got the skin on it, whether it's like fermented down and all that sort of stuff. So obviously there is that risk if it's a dodgy kind of scientist. Um, but in a lot of cases, it's really quite, you know, separate from the commercial and the money mm-hmm. versus uh, the actual scientists. Wow. It's interesting because with almonds, they're probably a bit worried because they've suddenly been seen as an anti-environmental you know, not so environmentally yeah, yeah. friendly. So they're thinking, come on, we've got to come we up with a new, show that they're good a new amazing yeah, yeah. thing. So uh, let me talk you through yeah, please talk three me through drinks it. in yeah, front of you. I'm dreading this. So um, this is from Beautiful. 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 Yeah, yes, very good. Yeah. Um, dairy. Uh-huh. It is raspberry kefir. Uh-huh. And that's this glass here. It looks so thick. you would, you like milk though. I'm not making you drink something that you would literally be repulsed by. Okay. 
I love uh, milk. You yeah, love milk. I you would, would drink, drink, drink a glass pint, of milk. A pint of milk. Yeah, yeah, easier. exactly. Yeah, it smells like yogurt. Mm. Yeah, it just tastes like a yogurt drink, like yop or something. Like and that, it's it nice. It's very nice. I you like, like it? Yogurt. Yep. So that is good for your health. Do you want to try <clears> it? <throat> no, I've already tried okay, it. I'm yeah. going to try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's lovely. And what I like about it is that is not too sweet. I can't really. No, no, it's my glasses. Has it got sugar in it? <laughs> my eyesight's getting worse by the day. I literally have no idea. And this is by the same um, Biotiful Dairy, mm. and this is the cacao one. Okay. Oh, those are my glasses. Yeah, they are. Oh, are you switching glasses? Oh, can I just say something? You look great in my glasses. Well, so do you, because I can't see virtually anything. <laughs> <laughs> Backhanded compliment. Okay, so that's what chocolate. Did you like that? I hate chocolate milkshake. Oh, oh. Um, I don't hate it, but it's not very nice. So no, uh, yeah, right? No, but that, there's conflicting ooh, things there's, going on in there, right? Okay, that is not that does not taste of chocolate. That tastes of um, bacteria. Is it really quite sour? <laughs> yes. You know what you find a lot of these commercial ones. You look at the expiry date, and the ones closest to the expiry date are actually uh, a bit more acidic. Yeah, because they do ferment a the little bit extra. But is that good then? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> so it's tasty a bit. Okay, this is coconut. So this is coconut and oh, honey. God, I you love hate it already? Co- oh, no, I okay, love coconut. Okay. Malibu, I'm baby. I'm learning things about you all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, I could drink that. So this is the one that I had at Miriam's house because okay. she made me try a few and then mm. she came. She gave me this one and this was the one that I liked. Um, could you read the name of the company? On yes, the no. Um, the Collective Great Dairy. You see, I would have that on cereal. The Great Dairy Collective. That's delicious. Yeah, so me I too. think we need to be like aware that I'm not saying well, we're not saying that this is super healthy. Like okay. it's got added honey in it, which is fine in moderation. But I think you know there is that element of they've made it really nice and tasty, so people Can I have ask large you about amounts honey? of it. Yes, like you said, a small amount of added honey. Yeah, I love honey. Honey How is bad? yeah. No, no, no. Honey is completely fine to have, but I think it's important that we realise that is an added sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I don't really like, have sugar in anything else. else. Yeah. But like sometimes I will have honey on a cereal or a crumpet yeah. in the uh, morning. Yeah, like a, an enormous amount of honey. <laughs> it's you know what the thing with gut health. It's not about being it's quite, restrictive. Quite enormous. It's about what you include in your diet. So if you're having the honey in your crumpet, but also having okay. and a whole thing of veg and whole grains I and oats. oats. And I, okay. I am good at that. You are very good at I'm that. A, yeah, yeah. I'm good mm-hmm. at eating a very balanced, well-rounded, but I do have mm-hmm. copious amounts of honey yeah. on my crumpet in the mm-hmm. morning sometimes. You have my stamp of approval. Thank you. <laughs> I am trying to get um, Warburton's to make a wholemeal crumpet. I don't understand. They've got them in Australia. I've eaten oh, them in Australia. Why do they do? Or, no, no. Okay. The Australian crumpet brand out there do, mm-hmm. but in in the UK they don't do a whole meal one. You Why love do a they bit not of Warburton's? Do? Don't you? Oh you. my god, I'm obsessed. They You're do. not sponsored by Warburton's I'm or not, anything. No, like no, that. they don't pay me at all. They don't pay at all. Yeah, yeah, no. But they did on Valentine's Day last year. They sent me a Valentine's box of loving crumpets. Okay, I do. <laughs> Oh, I see what they did there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like a Warburton's thin. They do those thins. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, they're... Yeah. The bread to filling ratio on a sandwich is like the most important thing in the it's world. It's a bit basically. like this stool to bar yeah. ratio. Yeah. Ratios are everything. Perfect. But uh, less it bread, more well filling. It takes you well to get these chairs. Yeah. Yeah, it's mm. good. I'm appreciating it as well for yeah. a tall person. <laughs> right? It's good. For a small person, they're even better. <laughs> see, it's like everybody's happy. Yeah, yeah. And for a medium person, this is like Goldilocks. Yeah. <laughs> 
Right. Uh, okay, so good. So I quite liked all that. Out of ten, kefir from a shop. Okay, the coconut one, I would give an eight out of ten. I'd drink, oh, okay. I'd drink a glass of that every day. No okay, bother. great. The chocolate one. And I would give it like a three out of ten just for the taste. And the raspberry one, just okay, six out of ten. And shall we try and make some? Yeah, definitely. Okay, we're mm. going to try and make some. Yeah, please and you do. can review my uh, homemade kefir okay, another great. day. Just in, in the most simple way, like what is the main benefit of drinking this stuff? Yeah. You probably already said this, but just to... No, no, no. So like I said, with the fermented food world, there mm. is limited clinical trials. Okay. However, the okay. one that has the most evidence for it is kefir. So there's okay. been studies, um, only two studies. One has shown that it can help with lactose... Um, intolerance so if you can't handle the milk sugar it can help it with that and also if you have a stomach infection called h pylori oh, yeah. it can help overcome that um, along you just had, that. had you just said oh yeah like you know what that is <laughs> I do, yeah. how do you know what well, that I is i thought i had that for right, a very okay. long time how, and then i never what? got it, it but what is it so how? it's yeah, when you, you get it yeah this, in, um, this bacterium is in your stomach and a lot of the symptoms are things like reflux like stomach ulcers yeah. um, it's actually really quite common so you go to your GP if you have those symptoms and they do a breath test to check. Yeah, I, I, I suffered really badly with indigestion. I thought I had an ulcer and all sorts of things. And then when the internet came along, it, it really in the kind of late 90s, I remember searching all sorts of things and this H. pylori kept coming up. And I went to see the doctor about it. But at the time, he said the only way to check was a camera down the throat type stuff. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'll live with it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but it keeps cropping up every so often, though. So it's so funny when you mentioned you it. You might there. go to your GP. And yeah, the, and I can just breathe on him. Yeah. And he'll go, Whoa. Steady on there, dude. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with your breath. Okay. Well, thank God. No, it's that. not that. They give you a special solution. Oh, okay. so yeah. It's not just on smell. <laughs> okay, I'd just be like, set fire to <laughs> oh, you've definitely got a bit of the old H. pylori yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone get that sorted? Um, but this could be quite good at helping with something like that well the study was done alongside antibiotics okay but okay. anecdotally i, I think it can help with um building your immune system okay but again that's anecdotal okay but also has it got bacteria in yes. and is that just generally good for your gut but it's not we don't know we don't you know. might be better off taking a probiotic well, whoa, are we going to talk about probiotics? Because that's a whole another topic, which is well, so, so important we, to talk about. Oh, well, I think we let's should. Talk about it then. Yeah. I think yeah, we should. Yes. So I, I'm super cynical and skeptical about probiotics. Good, I like that. And I really, yes. I really believe in probiotics because my sister works for Blackmores <laughs> in Australia. Do you know Blackmores? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're like yeah, the best brand like in the, Australia. The vitamin really brand in okay. Australia. So my sister's like probiotics every day. Okay. Yeah. So when we think about probiotics, I think they've been very much misunderstood. So there, like BBC the other day said, probiotics are all useless. We shouldn't be taking mm-hmm. them. And that's come from a place where, yes, some probiotics are completely useless. But actually, there, if we look at all the scientific evidence, there's about seven indications where there is really good reason to take a specific probiotic. But we need to start thinking about probiotics kind of like vitamins and minerals. Mm-hmm. So if you have iron deficiency, you're not going to go and take a vitamin D supplement and expect your iron deficiency to improve. No. The exact same thing with probiotics. Mm. Each different type of probiotic does different things. So mm-hmm. here's a um, kind of an example of you know, a therapy, a therapeutic use of probiotics. So if someone has to go on antibiotics for mm-hmm. whatever reason, there is really good evidence to take a specific probiotic, and that's called Saccharomyces boulardii. You would take that twice a day at a dose of 5 billion units throughout your antibiotic period and for a week after. Mm-hmm. So see how prescriptive that is? Yeah, yeah. That's actually the way we need to treat probiotics if we want the benefit. Um, okay. So 
you know, I would say there's you're pretty much wasting your money if you just go and pick any probiotic off the shelf and go, oh, yep, it's going to help it's me. It's too general. Yeah, it's way too general. So um, not to plug the book, but in my book, I do have where the scientific evidence shows those seven indications and have written out the probiotic strain, prescription, the dose, duration, all that sort of stuff. So wow. I think it's important people start to think about probiotics in that way. Mm-hmm. Now, our family has got two copies of your book, one for me and one for Holly, <laughs> and I've completely forgotten what it's called. Please, can you tell us what it's called? Eat Yourself Healthy. Yes. Well, I mean, just on the subject of antibiotics, how bad are they for your gut? Look, we've certainly been taking too many of them. Yeah. They do save lives, though, so mm-hmm. I don't want to scare people mm-hmm. into going, oh, my God, I can't take it, and then, you know, they it, go and get really severely it sick. It alters your gut health quite radically, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. The studies have shown that it does change your gut bacteria, mm-hmm. um, and if multiple uses of antibiotics, some bacteria don't regrow. Um, so oh, wow. it's a bit okay. of an individual thing. So some people at 12 months, they showed uh, that all their bacteria came back, but other people, they found that some of them didn't come back. So it does That's seem to that individual that. thing. And also there's different types of antibiotics. Some are higher strength. They kill more different types of microbes. But if you are going in the antibiotics, you know, because you have to, I think it's always important you say to your doctor, do I really have to? And if they say yes and follow their advice, um, is you really try and nourish your bacteria as much as you can. And um, we spoke about the word, um, or have we spoken about fiber yet? No. No, we touched on the Ravita thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so fiber essentially is food for our good bacteria. So if we have a range of different fibers in our diet, we can really nourish our gut bacteria. So I recommend if you're going on antibiotics, okay. really trying to get as many different types of plant-based foods, which has the fiber in it. And, and you'd think a doctor would say this to you, wouldn't you? Say, like, I'm going to put you on a course of antibiotics, but you, you should watch out for this and you should try and eat a bit more of this, that and the other. It's really, really true. Helpful, my my husband's know. a GP and, mm-hmm. you know, they have 10 minutes. Yeah, you know, of course, of thing. course. No, no, one thing. But also they yeah. get like a week of nutrition. Like, oh. He, He's going to hate me for saying this, but he didn't even know like the difference between carbs and proteins. Mm-hmm. And like, he is a really good doctor. Like, yeah. He's got, he's a really high up, yeah. but like he has zero nutrition. But I bet I've being, been having it. met you, he's treating his patients in a slightly different way now. Yeah, it must be yeah, amazing. Yeah. 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 So I've written out, um, kind of like information diet sheets that he can then give them and recommend like the British. Wow. That's fantastic. <laughs> You're the dream team. You two. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, it's 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 such a hard thing that with the NHS because mm. it's yeah. very reactive. They get ten minutes. You know, some doctors are seeing like 180 patients a week. It's just mm. yeah, it's so overdrive. It? It's it's dangerous at the mm. moment. I think um, with fiber, one of mm-hmm. the things that I was um, quite alarmed about is the number of different types of fiber that they recommend that you get in. There's mm. like 30 a week, 30 different types. So there isn't just fiber. Um, There's like types of fiber. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. And but what I was really worried about, mm-hmm. I thought, how am I ever going to get thirty different types of fiber in a week? But what Megan told me was that, um, and I think I've told you this before, mm-hmm. that peppers, you know, you've got green, red, yellow, mm-hmm. orange. They're all different types of fiber. Oh, okay. So if you yeah, have a mixture so of can, the colors, like in a chili, yeah, put all the all the peppers in. Mm-hmm. Or um, I now buy those mixed beans the cans of mixed beans. Uh, okay, because so, the, the each bean has a different yeah. fibre, does it? Yeah. Uh, so okay, so it's easier than you think each to get pulse, it in there. Each pulse, each lentil, each, everything has a different type of fibre in it. <coughs> yeah. Te- so, feeding a different type of bacteria. Yeah, so that's the, a really good concept that we need to start thinking about is that, you know, fibre isn't just the one nutrient. Um, it's, you know, there is a hundred different types of fibres. So trying to get in diverse range of plant-based foods means you've got different, not just fibres, but also Mm -hmm. these plant chemicals, we call them polyphenols, which also feed the gut bacteria. 
Um, and you know, polyphenols, have you heard that word before? No. no. That's why things like red wine and dark chocolate have been associated with health benefits because of these uh. polyphenols. Oh, yeah. so dark chocolate really, I don't drink alcohol, but I can cane the dark chocolate. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, in moderation, like, let's not do a whole vlog <laughs> at once. And cover it in honey. <laughs> and cover yeah. it in honey, deep fry it, all the rest of it. Um, <laughs> oh, deep oh, fat yeah, fryer. Oh, yeah, yes, okay, we're we going to talk about um, that. We just talked about uh, deep fat frying because Michael... Um, bought a deep fat fryer the other day yeah look for the Megan, first time at, in like i know i mean that's an interesting choice gave, 20 pounds. i know well, well, I, I, well that I, is a bargain it's hard yeah, to, right? yeah i get that I get and i that. love fried chicken uh so yeah i bought a deep fat fryer and then um I, i've been like cooking in it a lot because it's like a new novelty and the kids are like can we put some chips in there can we put this in there can we drop an egg in it some fish fingers let's have a go at that so yeah it's like a chemistry lab basically we're just throwing everything in it but um but you did do research on what the best oil was and everything yeah healthiest way to do it it. it. coconut oil was one of the best oils to deep fry in but i went to sainsbury's the other day to have a look and for 500 grams of coconut oil was four pound fifty i was like god and i need three liters of it i think we need to have a talk about that okay (laughs) we get reducing that because i really don't think that's a good life decision no i be a fun fad maybe but let's let's yeah but a fun fad yeah yeah fun fad it's like Naughty things in moderation. Yeah, absolutely. Because otherwise life would be really depressing. Yeah. Only if it starts to dominate every meal. Oh, well, it definitely wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, it, but it's a, probably a twice a week uh, thing. Yeah. So what I often say, if you, you know, really love fried chicken, mm. then fine, have a bit of fried chicken, but load your plate up with other plant-based ingredients because... Potatoes, well, chips, basically, yeah. Diversity. So okay. So my target Salt is vinegar. getting in 30 different types of plant-based foods in your diet a week, as Davina was saying I'll before. i this down. Okay, 30, that's, 30 that's different types. Yes, and it comes from all your plant-based food groups, so your whole grains, your nuts, your seeds, your beans and your pulses, um, your fruit and your veg, of course. Okay, plant-based, okay. And think of it, like, whenever you're having the chicken to the protein that's feeding you and your human cells Mm -hmm. but it's neglecting the needs of the bacteria so it's being quite selfish okay but if you then with the fried chicken combine it with a whole range of different plant-based foods Mm -hmm. it's kind of a team thing okay you're feeding your taste buds and your muscles but also you're feeding the gut bacteria who then do so much for you okay so if i can chuck in a lot of broccoli on the side and some peas and some carrots instead of just the broccoli get the you know steam packet of mixed veg okay so it's that mentality of that diversity okay is color important as everybody says yeah so color means it's got different types of um those polyphenols and those other plant chemicals it's not the only thing because there's actually some polyphenols and other plant chemicals that actually are white so just because it's white doesn't mean it's got nothing in it. Mm-hmm. But we want that diversity here. What is your like food guilty pleasure? You know what? It's yeah. white chocolate. I love white chocolate. He uh, does too. Yeah. It just it is so good. But you know what? I'll yeah. show you the recipe in my book. I've okay. It was when I was doing my PhD. I um you know obviously getting really obsessed with the gut and the bacteria, and I was thinking to myself at Easter, God, I love white chocolate, but I feel quite selfish because. On the Easter day, I like go nuts. Oh, like, me too. Nothing yeah. but chocolate. Oh, I'm so relieved. Mm. Are you relieved? I'm so yeah, relieved yeah, she yeah, said yeah. that. Yeah. So I was thinking, you know what? It's, it's really quite selfish of me. I need to find a way where we both win. So what I've done is with the white chocolate, add in some extra virgin olive oil because it contains the polyphenols, which feed the gut bacteria. Oh. Add in prebiotics from the dried mango and pistachio nuts. Um, again, that feeds <laughs> wow. the gut bacteria. Yeah. And then you drizzle it with dark chocolate. It takes like five minutes to make. Oh, really? And I've taken it to a lot of people and they who aren't health freaks at all and they're like, this is better than white chocolate. <gasps> oh, okay. We're going to make it. Um, I wanted to... You, you keep saying so many things and I'm like, oh, I need to talk about that. I need to talk about that. 
Um, you just mentioned a word that I heard last night for the first time. I was at dinner with my friend Miriam and yeah, all her yeah. friends. And um, that is prebiotic. What's yes. that about? Yeah, it's it's confusing because there's so many P words coming up. We've got the probiotic, P-R-O-biotic, which is a good bacteria. Then we've got the P-R-E-biotic. Now, prebiotics essentially is food for the good bacteria. So most prebiotics are types of fiber. Okay. Um, but to get this term prebiotic, you know, to be allowed to use that, it has to go through quite a lot of clinical testing. Um, so that's kind of why not all fibers are called prebiotics. Leaks. Leeks are a good source of prebiotics. Garlic. Yep, garlic. Look at you. Because mm. I asked my friend last night, yeah. I said, I'm seeing Dr. Megan Rossi, give me some information that I can look good with. <laughs> I've got two questions from my friend Poppy. Yeah. She is a nutritionist. Yeah. And uh, she gets asked these questions a lot. Um, one was, what is your take on women over 40 taking, what's that sleeping? Melatonin. Melatonin. Um, she said there's been two sets of research. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One, that you can get used to it and it's not good for you. Mm -hmm. um, or the second one is like, it's absolutely fine. It's a natural thing. Don't worry. Yeah, so that is a really good question. So melatonin is a hormone that our body produces and helps regulate our sleep-wake cycle. Yeah. Um, so I often recommend it, and there is some evidence if you um, have jet lag to kind of get back into your sleeping rhythm I when you go. I have used melatonin before yeah. for jet lag. Yeah, so um, it's not necessarily allowed in the UK. The doctors can, um, GPs can prescribe it, but you can't get it. Um, oh, from... I bought it in America. Yes. I didn't even know that. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. You've got illegal drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think there is some scientific evidence to support it, but because the UK guidelines don't um, allow it, then there is some restrictions there on um, how people should use it. I would worry people might get, their body might get used to used it. To it yeah. I think that's, um, with so, any kind of sleep yeah. aid, I think it's very Gotta dangerous be careful, because right? you can't sleep if because have, there's yeah. something going on in up here. Like yeah, yeah. you're stressed or treat that. And you'll start to sleep. And you'll start to sleep. Yeah. You said that. Yeah, yeah, I, I always thought that. Yeah. I think that the, the sleep, idea that you can't um, sleep. My colleagues at King's did this really great clinical trial showing that there is this, they've developed this sleep hygiene protocol and they found that people who followed that, uh, I think it was like for eight-week study versus someone who just got told to sleep more actually had a significant increase in their sleep just by following this protocol, which was just really simple tips. And also the people who had that improvement in their sleep also, they didn't talk about diet, but... Um, just um, subconsciously reduce the amount of added sugars in their diet by two teaspoons a day. So there's just so many benefits I mean, of getting the sleep. That's something I've noticed. I've been off added sugar 
um, since January the 1st. So no chocolate, no nothing. And I'd slightly fallen off the wagon on that front for the last sort of year or so. And I have noticed that um, my sleep is better. better since you've stopped eating yeah, extra definitely, sugar. Definitely. Because mine's not so good. I do eat a lot of sugar. Well, that might, it might be worth it. looking at that. Yeah. Having we, a small amount other... of sugar isn't bad for your yeah, health, yeah. though, but I think it's about your whole diet. I've and, been doing and... a Cadbury's cream egg every night before bed yeah. recently. That's not so good, is it? My teeth are really have suffering the, Have as the well. pre-baked chocolate bark that you're going to make. Oh, okay, that's yes. Good. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. a compromise. So you're not the, depriving yourself, yeah. but you're also looking after the gut microbes. Uh, I like the sound of that. The other question Poppy asked, and I'm very interested in this because for a while I believed, I'd read somewhere that you can't cook food at high temperatures it like in cooking generally you can't use extra virgin olive oil so i did okay. for ages yeah. and i started using rapeseed oil and poppy said what's your opinion on rapeseed oil she said again it's a slightly contentious yeah. um subject at the moment so you know what there's actually some studies that have come out showing that you can cook home cooking so like well, 190 degrees <laughs> yeah, with extra virgin olive oil because what happens they've done they've looked at the chemical analysis and because extra virgin olive oil has those polyphenols in it remember we spoke about mm-hmm. them, the beneficial plant chemicals they actually protect the fats from oxidizing so from kind of denaturing and getting mm. all bad when you heat it high so actually you can cook at high temperatures not repeated not in your fryer yes that damages it but like 190 degrees i, um, I you use know, it for 15 minute walk. i'm so uh, pleased because i much prefer the i love the taste that olive oil yeah yeah, yeah the olive oil re- i always do roast potatoes in extra virgin olive oil yeah and it well, smokes I, a lot I stopped, I stopped it burns right for years but because of that yeah rumor. but you get much crunchier crunch on the crunchy potatoes i love, the I love your roast potatoes well steady very good. Good. i love roast potatoes yeah right um so rapeseed oil yes or no i think small amounts of rapeseed is okay um there is it is a contentious issue because we're not always sure how good quality it is um mm. in terms of where it's come from um, so it's, so like, it's a farming thing. It's a farming thing. Yeah. So if you know the farmers, you know where you're getting it from, um, and it's you know good quality, then fine. But a lot of it can be mixed and things like we that. And the same need, with the whole virgin oil. We need mm. better signage on our food stuffs mm. to tell us where something's come from. That's what we all want to know. Olive oil's the same though. Yeah. There's you know so much dodginess going around. Really. Yeah. Oh, well, like, it's big business, right? It I mean, it's expensive yeah, yeah. olive oil. There was yeah. uh, I watched this documentary about maple syrup as well. <gasps> Maple syrup is like gold in Canada. You know, like the original Canadian maple syrup. There's a whole kind of mafia underworld about the, what would you call it? A bit like with diamonds where they keep the value of it high by storing it in barrels. Like it's corrupt. The whole maple (gasps) syrup thing's corrupt. There's a a documentary on Netflix, like every other documentary, called Dirty Money. And there's a whole episode on maple syrup. That's amazing. There you go. There's a little recommendation for you there. So we're also now going to review the kind of test that you can do. We yes. both sent our hair off to get tested for intolerances or allergies to food. So this was a food sensitivities test. And what we did is we had to cut bits of our hair away as close to the root as possible, which is no problem for me because I'm an expert in case you didn't know at cutting hair. I did, did have to do my own. I nearly took a chunk of my scalp out. You didn't trust me. I mean, I was slightly worried about sending my hair off for anything because I believe you can find out all sorts of stuff about people's history by analysing their hair, which, hmm. uh, you know, I'm slightly nervous about. But anyway, they, um, they sent back this uh, document which seems to suggest that we are intolerant to certain things or there's certain things that aren't quite good for us. Um, first of all, can you get that kind of information from a strand of hair? 
Unfortunately not. Okay. Yeah. So there is no scientific evidence for this type of food mm-hmm. intolerance testing, nor any food um, intolerance testing, apart from um, lactose intolerance. There's a valid breath test. Okay. Uh, but all of the others, whether it's your blood, uh, whether it's your hair, mm-hmm. whether it's um, not your even muscle blood. movement. Not for intolerances. Okay. I did this thing with my dog where the, we've got rescue dogs, so I don't know what it's made up of. So you could do a DNA yeah. test, right, where you take some spit from the dog's mouth, whatever, and send it away. And then they send you back this thing. As a joke, I also sent my own spit in uh, to the dog place. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. And oh it turns God. out that I'm a bit Alsatian. I'm a oh bit of Doberman. Oh, my God. Everything. Are you kidding no. me? No. So, like, I was very sceptical. All of a sudden, as it come back and said, well, your dog's this. And I thought, well, what about my other dog? And they went, yeah, well, he's also an Alsatian and all sorts of stuff. And he's so, like so, this it's, big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I was the Alsatian. Oh, you yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm very sceptical about all this stuff yeah. anyway. With good but, reason. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. And I think um, there's a lot of things happening now with DNA. Everybody's getting very excited about DNA testing and they're doing like, you know, uh, DNA test your fitness type. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, yes. Uh, also, what's happening in that space is we're seeing that it's not just your DNA, but it's how the microbes actually interact. Okay. So I do believe in the future there will be some sort of personalization. So some of my work at King's where we looked at people's poop samples and the chemicals the bacteria are producing. And from that baseline sample, we could predict whether someone would respond to a specific type of diet. Now, oh, that's still okay. very much in research phase. Mm. Um, but in 10 or 20 years. Yeah, right? that's amazing. Describe. But also in combination with your DNA. So I don't think looking at your DNA on its own is going to completely yeah. revolutionize your diet because it's mm. also the bacteria. So it's like this kind of really mishmash. It's sad because yeah. you take an amazing sort of bit of science and then people just plagiarize it. Yeah, they yes. take it. They bend they it. Bastardize it. Yeah. And they commercialize it. Mm. And then actually it's not it loses its value then, doesn't it? It loses yeah. its value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did the test come back with and what's your opinion? That you guys are intolerant to pretty much every food <laughs> out there. <laughs> not fried chicken though, come on. <laughs> fried chicken or turkey, I think yours was. For things like you're intolerant to kefir. So oh, really? you might need to just watch yourself for the next okay, couple of days. Yeah. Um, to soya beans, to spelt, to tofu, uh, to wheat, both These of you. These are all good things, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Things like chickpeas, really? cashew Can nuts. we have a look at our who's this who's? Absolutely. That is yours, Davina, your long, Amazing. long list. High reactivity. My goodness me. Oysters? Rubbish. I love oysters. Um, so this can't be right. Yeah. So the, the thing that we probably should talk about is the difference between an allergy yes. Yes. and totally. uh, an intolerance. intolerance. So an allergy involves your immune system. So your immune system has been kind of functioned wrong. And whenever you eat that food, it triggers your immune system and says that's a toxin. And it sets off this inflammatory um, kind of cascade of things happening. So that's an allergy. So it involves your immune system. And intolerance doesn't involve your immune system. An example of intolerance is lactose intolerance. Mm-hmm. So it's a quite a common one, particularly in um, people from Asian and African heritage. So essentially, they don't have enough of the enzyme called lactase mm-hmm. in their gut, which breaks down the milk sugar called lactose. So when they have too much of dairy, um, particularly things like milk, um, and yogurt, then they get more of things like diarrhea. Could um, their gut develop more of the lactase? 
stuff. Good question. Yeah. So there's two different types of lactose intolerance. Yeah. So you can have the primary and the secondary. Mm-hmm. So the secondary type is when you have like a gut infection. Yep. So you might get gastro. Yes. And actually that damages your gut lining and also damages some of your lactase enzyme. Mm. So in the short term for a month or so, you might actually have the secondary lactose intolerance because mm. you can't deal with it. So you actually... Um, over time, your body starts to regenerate those enzymes, and then you can deal with it after that. That's interesting, mm, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, the primary is when actually genetically babies have the enzymes when they're younger, but actually starts to degrade, um, mm-hmm. you know, as they get older, particularly in the Asian African populations. Do you think if kids, if babies have something from birth, so um, Chester was allergic to um, cashews very badly, EpiPen, when he was a baby, mm. um, and pine nuts which isn't a nut but um and they said look it could be an allergic march he might develop peanut allergies and at that time it was 13 years ago they said look there's two schools of thought either you give him a little bit of peanut every day um peanut butter on something or you don't give him any at all anywhere and i thought a little a day is going to be easier yeah yeah, (laughs) uh, yeah. than keeping him off it completely so we did give him a little a day and actually he ended up growing out of it but is it that thing of like if they have milk from birth, they're less likely to become lactose intolerant in the future because it's all there. Yeah, so that was really interesting about the allergies. There's been a lot of research showing um, that um, earlier introduction of those things in people who are more likely to get, you know, genetically have family history of things like peanut allergy. So they are saying to reintroduce earlier. So we do know that in those early ages, those early months, it really Mm. our immune system is developing. Mm. Now, in terms of the lactose, because remember, that's not an allergy. That's the intolerance, but slightly different. We do know, um, and I do recommend to people that if you are lactose intolerant, still try and include small amounts okay because yes. they can still include about 50 mils of milk per sitting and have like mm-hmm. you know three sittings a day so a little bit in your tea and that can still help maintain a little bit of the enzymes also what we're starting to see is that we think that their bacteria might actually help them out and start to digest some of that lactose for them so mm-hmm. kind of take on those skills of the lactase enzyme as you know after talking to you today i'm beginning to really have a really strong bond with my bacteria like well, you're telling me all this amazing stuff mm. that our bacteria do and i i'm sort of loving my stomach mm. so much it's it's legit like there's now been studies to show that our microbes looking after them nurturing them can significantly improve our mental health oh that was that was my next question yeah okay so it- fire away with all of this because there must be a link and we've we've known for ages there is clearly a link between your gut and your brain you mm-hmm. know if you're nervous you feel it in your stomach so there's always been that link but it's only been since we've understood more about the microbes and what they can actually do and produce where we've really appreciated there's a new player in this gut brain axis and that of course is the microbes and it was only about a year and a half ago where it was a really landmark study it was undertaken in australia um, at the food and mood center and what they did is they took people who had moderate to severe depression mm-hmm. And they randomized them to either getting this gut-boosting diet, which contained 50 grams of fiber a day. In the UK, we get 20 grams on average. Wow. Yeah, so a lot of fiber to feed the bacteria. Or they had this placebo group, like a fake intervention, which is a befriending type of counseling. Just to make sure any benefit in the diet group wasn't because they were seeing the dietitian. So they followed them for 12 weeks. And when they came back and reassessed their mental health, um, they found that in the diet group, 32% of them had a significant improvement in their depression scores, which would have classified them as no longer clinically depressed. Wow, what? In the placebo group, that was only 8%. Okay. 
So it's quite significant. Then. So and significant. In 12 weeks. Yeah. That's quick. Yeah. Now, it's important to highlight that all patients stayed on their medications. So if people okay. are listening to this and are on medication, it's not like I'm going to chuck them and yeah. just yeah. go. But, um, you know, what I see in clinical practice is that when I work with patients who are on medications alongside their GP, mm-hmm. we've actually been able to help people get off them by yeah. nurturing the gut. Not everyone, no, no. but there are quite a lot of people and I just it's just so powerful. We've both got teenage kids or like, and I've got a 13-year-old boy and, the, and the, like, the, the, the instant thing that a 13-year-old boy wants to do is eat like tons and tons of rubbish. <laughs> And if it's a drink that's blue, even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, he just wants to absorb anything. He's like a... it's An alcohol uh, as well. I think how much like, binge drinking I did. So it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't yeah. it? That they struggle so much with life through the teen years. But it is the time when you abuse your body. The most. Uh, the most. Mm. God, that is I really uh, think we need to isn't get it into kids from an early age. And mm. that's why I'm kind of experimenting with my little nephew of like now he tells everyone he's got microbes a little pet in his belly okay great. and whether that will help people treat their body different mm-hmm. um as they grow and go through those really struggling years i, I did I, I found some facts about the gut and um i just thought i'd read some of them out because you, you could either confirm i mean they're just randomly off the internet so i don't know if they're true or not but there was a couple that were uh, i thought were amazing that there are more than 100 million brain cells in your gut you familiar with that one? Like, like your gut has a almost like a brain of it, a mind of its own. Yeah, and that's why we call it the second brain. So it's oh. innovated by millions of nerves. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about it is so that mad. unlike every other organ, our gut can function on its own. It doesn't need our brain telling yes. it what to do. Of course, our brain, our big brain, is like, well, screw you. I'm going to tell you when you're nervous and when you can't poo and can poo. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, on its own, it can actually function, do all the digestion without the brain telling it what to do. So that the idea that if you feel it in your gut or you get a gut feeling yeah. is a very is scientifically kind of accurate. Like yeah, there your is. gut can respond without any brain information. Yeah. Present. We call this an, our yeah, right? central nervous system up here, yeah. our brain, and then we've got an enteric nervous system. And that enteric nervous system is those millions mm. of neurons. Have you got any more facts? Because um, I want to talk about poo. No, well, and most of the things you've already covered. So I was just looking through here and we're covering stuff you've, you've already mentioned, really. So... But um, no, so let's talk about poo. Can we? Yeah, please. Um, because I, I, we've discussed, knowing that you were coming on, we're a bit confused about poo transplants and what is that all about? And that feels like, it's where's that come from and what is going on? So I love, this is such a great topic because people just are like, this can't be happening. But fecal transplants, poop transplants, essentially is what it sounds like. You get the poo from a healthy person and transplant it into someone who's sick. How now, do you know if someone's got a healthy gut? What, what would you test? Yeah, that's a really Bear good poop. question. Um, it's not as simple as you know saying, okay, you don't have gut symptoms, therefore you've got a healthy gut, or you've got this bacteria, therefore you've got a healthy gut. It's actually a combination of things. So how strong your immune system is, you know, whether you're stressed, all these sorts of things actually contribute to how healthy your gut is. In the scientific world, we also look at how many different types of bacteria you have in your gut as a marker mm-hmm. of, um, I guess, you know, your gut health. You know, there is a lot of limitations to that. But actually, that's, again, why we see that feeding yourself more diverse range of plant-based foods grows a more diverse range of gut bacteria. And if you've got more different types of bacteria, kind of like a sporting team, you're more likely to win. So if you've uh, got, you know, yeah. a, a football team, you don't want all, you know, stellar forwards mm-hmm. because actually you're going to lack in some areas. And the same with the gut bacteria. You want that team, that really um, multi-skilled team. Um 
Now, we were talking about poo, but yeah. where were we so, about poo? So, poo transplants. transplants. Yes, poo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how, it's mind-blowing. And where do you transplant it to and from? Yes. Yeah. So, this, this <laughs> so therapy has actually been happening in all hospitals, all major hospitals in the UK, for many, many years. Oh, in really? fact, it saves thousands of lives every year. So, if you have a very serious gut infection, like a C. diff infection, um, and antibiotics don't work... They use this fecal transplant to cure. It's got a 95% cure rate. It's amazing wow, at curing this gut infection so and yeah. saving lives. Okay. Um, now that, like I said, has been happening behind closed doors where they literally get the poop sample, <laughs> they blend it up, and then they insert it up the backside mm-hmm. of someone. Oh, so that's it's how it's done. It's been get happening poop behind sample, blend it up. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> and then insert it into like a, an enema or a... Yes. Yeah. Yep. Also, they now do it through um, the gastro... So the, through the throat. A tube. A tube. down in... Yep, that way. So you can go stomach. upwards or back... No, no, no. Further down. Further it down. Yep. And more recently, um, you know, the commercialization kind of has caught up where they're looking at doing pills. Now, this... I think is an area there we need to be really cautious of because yes. there are private clinics now offering fecal transplants for things like IBS and intolerances and stuff. Um, and when we look at the science for it, the evidence isn't there mm-hmm. beyond doing these C. diff transplants. There's actually some promising um, work in those with infl- inflammatory bowel disease um, for doing the transplants, but that's still research world. Um, so these clinics are offering all this sort of thing. And what we're seeing in animal studies is you can essentially transplant depression into someone. So what? you could be maybe improving your IBS by getting this transplant, but you don't know that your donor didn't have a bit of anxiety or depression. So I just think there is that cautious there of not going yeah, to yeah. these private clinics until we have the solid evidence. Yeah. Oh my God, that's that'd be horrific really that you get rid of one problem, but you develop one that's even worse. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Right. My brain. Um, you yeah. can transplant depression. Uh, well, a, a mental illness <laughs> yeah. via someone's feces into mm. you. Mm. Animal studies at the moment. Animal but yeah. studies, but that's, yeah, yeah, there's a possibility. The well, from everything yeah. that you've been talking about, mm. that would logically, yeah, no, it's not proven scientifically, mm. but that would logically make sense. And yeah. um, what would be the symptom of not having enough fibre in your diet? I'm sure I've not got enough fibre in my diet. I'm sure of that. Look, it's it anything. I, I didn't. No. When I did the fibre fit quiz. Do you feel better now you're having more fibre or do you not know? Poo more regularly. You poo more I'm just going to say it. Yeah, yeah. I you, poo more regularly. Poo more. I'm not going to be embarrassed about okay. saying that. Okay. I'm already very regular. And I always regular. used to be yeah. um, edging on constipated. Okay. And it's definitely improved that. Okay. So, so that, there's that physical okay. element mm-hmm. of the fibre can help with stool um, kind of out poop output. Um, but also remember the mental health element. Yes. So the study which we discussed where they gave a large amounts of the plant-based foods, the diet improved their mental health. Mm-hmm. So I do find, again, anecdotally in my clinic, when people after about three months of going on, you know, really trying to nourish their gut health, and it's not just food, it's getting more sleep, you know, doing things like gut director yoga flow and all that sort of stuff, they actually physically and emotionally feel better. So, okay, can cereals. we talk about breakfast? Because yeah. I think that breakfast is a way that we could get a lot of fibre into mm-hmm. our bodies. And there are many fibre kind of cereals. Uh, I actually think that I'm weird, but I am one of the very few people I would imagine that yeah. loves... Um, I also love all bran, um, which is the tiny little flaky little worms of bran. Yeah, that is so, un- so unappealing, that stuff. I love it. I let the milk soak into it. 
and then it turns into baby food yeah. and yeah, I eat that's it. That's horrible. So right here, we've got the Kellogg's Fruit and Fibre and I had a bowl of that this morning. And, you know, I do quite enjoy bran, uh, all bran, things like that. So it was, it was nice. I put a bit of honey on it. Things. I've just like seen on the side there. So you're saying we need 30 grams a day. Mm. So it says per bowl there's only 2.8 grams of yeah. fibre per serving. That doesn't seem like very much. No. Like surely there's a better way to get fibre in than, than fruit and fibre. Okay, you're not. Okay, go. So yes, I think, you know, it depends where people are at. We want people to try getting as much fibre as they can. So mm. if someone's going from a Cocoa Pop to that, I think, okay, that's a good Great. move. But, you know, I had the opportunity to work with some of these big companies mm-hmm. and, um, you know, work with them on their gut ranges and things like that. Uh, but, you know what, I looked at the product and said, I couldn't look my followers in the eye and say, mm. this is good for your gut. Yes. And I had no scope to be able to change ingredients. Um, so that's actually why I was like, my mum used to say, if you want something done, Megan, you just have to do it yourself. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to take the plunge. And that's where, yeah, I... Um, Met my co-founder, so, who's amazing we, at you know business, and we developed Bio and Me. So it's um, a gut-loving food brand, and we started with granolas. And this um, range you're looking at now contains 15 different types of plant-based ingredients per bowl. Mm-hmm. So remember the target of 30. Yeah. So we've actually added in vegetables oh. there, but the concept is around this delicious diversity because yes, it's got that diversity in, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to put people off who weren't into having vegetables and fiber. So we did so much testing to make sure it really was delicious yep. to people who didn't necessarily want to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Now in each bowl of that contains eight grams of fiber. Now oh, that's wow. a bit more like it. Now, more like it. Eight grams of fiber is like this magic number. And this is why I pushed to get the eight grams in is that the scientific studies, it was this big, it contained millions of people, showed that for every eight grams of fiber increase in your diet per day, you would lower your risk of heart disease by 19%, your risk of type 2 diabetes by 15%, and your risk of colon cancer by 8%. Mm-hmm. So that's that eight Hang grams. Michael's struggling okay. with the... Uh... <laughs> I don't have enough protein in my diet to grow muscles <laughs> big enough to open it. Uh, okay, there we go. So, sorry, you're going to have to recap that because I was making a lot of noise. <laughs> but, so, there's eight grams. Look at the nuts. Yeah. And can you, can you guess all 15 plant-based ingredients in that? Sunflower I, seeds. I can. Hazelnuts. Almonds. Um, Dates. Um, Good. Olive oil. Oh! <laughs> Hemp seed. Hemp seed. seed. Pumpkin seed. Sunflower seed. Carrot. Chicory root. What in earth is that? So that's what we call a prebiotic fiber. Okay. And I've used that in my clinical trials. Okay, so um, normally I would be drizzling honey. You'd be drizzling a gallon of honey on it, yeah. So eight grams feels a, a lot more worth it, you know, than 2.8, that's for sure. Um, and also we've got no added sugar. So I think, remember, you know, no added, added sugar. Yeah. So, so a drizzle of honey for me would On top is completely fine, yeah. So we bad. wanted to make sure that any of the sweetness was coming from the whole fruit where it contains the polyphenols and the fiber. So really trying to mm-hmm. push that all together. I love it because it's crunchy. It's great. That's so nice. Mm. Actually, it doesn't even need sugar. Chickpeas no. and carrots in that. The dates in there. Really? Right? Yeah. So I just, Chickpeas you know, is little my, like, number one favorite food. Yeah, it's so good, isn't it? I would say the fruit and fry bat out of 10, because uh, I'm the one that had it this morning, mm-hmm. I would give that um, maybe a seven. Okay. You know, it, it gives you two grams of fiber. Mm-hmm. It's, it's doing got added so, sugar in it. It's too. doing something. But, and it's, it's got added sugar, which isn't great. The all brand doesn't, I don't think. It does. Oh, does yeah, it? It does, surprisingly. It doesn't taste like it, does I know. It? 
So I would give that. I'd probably give both of them, in fact, for that reason, a six. But I wonder what, like, I wonder how much fibre is in cocoa pods. Less than one gram. Um, I just want to say quickly yeah, in this okay. lull okay. that um, we are not paid or sponsored to talk about anything. No. And you know, it's a risky business getting us to eat your um, cereal in front of you because we, we are honest it. and we might not have liked it but I have to say I very much love that mm. it, it, that would get me a, a, a dose of fibre a day I would, prob- I would eat that I was going to say probably eat that I probably should you, eat that you, you should eat it yeah. it's a gift it's a gift to eat up and be completely nothing. honest because that's what it's all about is you know. I really like it I mean mm. I'm surprised at how sweet that tastes if there's no added sugar yeah. I'm amazed because um, I would have drizzled honey on that, but I don't. I don't think I need to even. You I'd give that a nine out of ten. Oh yeah, me too. I it's really as, like it. It's as good as as that's staying any in our cupboard. I've ever tasted. It's like it's perfect. If there was one or two foods that people should eat every day, really, what would it be? Would it be like an avocado, or would it be a banana, or is there is there just like you've got to eat this every day? A super, make a big a super food. Like, Everyone yeah. loves this question. Um, mm. The thing is, it goes against everything to do with gut health because okay. it's about diversity. Okay. If you have a superfood, whether it's you know blueberries one week or raspberries the next week, if you just have them, you're actually going to have very bad gut health mm-hmm. because you're only feeding that minority type of bacteria. You're not going to have that really broad range of skills. Okay. So actually, it really is boringly just, just trying to get it you know as many different everything. times. But like you know, whatever you're having, even if it's a fry up for mm. breakfast, just add a teaspoon of mixed seeds, and you get the four points there. You know, it's just ah, those okay. smart little changes. Instead of the chickpeas, get the four bean mix. It, you are very good at bringing science to the masses because it's a very involved topic. You yeah, and it's that. difficult to understand, I think. Um, yeah, it's been superb. Oh, I do have one guys. final question yes. for you. Is all your hair your own? <laughs> it, it is. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Oh, I thought there was going to be extensions in there. Are you no. kidding it me? Is, it's, hey, you've got amazing hair. Come mm, on. I used to, but I mean, Michael can uh, look well, at that. like a horse's mane. <laughs> it's She's incredible. Rapunzel. Please go. Guys, please come more often. I'm just getting so many Go to yeah. Megan's. Go to Megan's Instagram page and just have a look at the manes and the tresses, and then yeah. have a look at everything else she's doing because it's really interesting. <laughs> um, and thank you so much. Mm. We we're going to do a little outro bit. Will, will you stay for it? We're only five minutes or so. Please yeah, do. you're not going yeah. anywhere because I've got a couple of things to recommend to you. Oh, great. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's not just all gut health, you know. Okay. So, um, a friend, I, I follow this girl on Instagram called Kate Pasola. She's a writer at Cosmopolitan, a beauty writer, so I know her because I do lots of various um, hints and tips and all the rest of it. Anyway, on her Instagram page, she showed a picture of an old guy. To, uh, he was being interviewed. He was an expert in something. I don't know what. But she'd written on the Instagram story, um, type into YouTube, housewife on LSD. And I thought, I'm going to have a little look at that. So I did. And in 1956, uh, an unnamed American housewife took LSD at the Veterans Administration Hospital in Los Angeles. Uh, The woman's husband was an employee at the hospital and he'd referred her to the study. And this was in a a television program in 1956 about mental health. And Dr. Sidney Cohen was dosing volunteers at the Veterans Hospital in Los Angeles. And then they were filming it. And this is just a little five-minute video of this woman, like a, a lovely housewife from the 50s. She was prim, proper, they, like they'd done some psychoanalysis oh, no. tests on her. 
to, to make sure that, you know, she was of sane mind and all the rest of it, and then they gave her this drink. Here is part of an interview with the subject just before LSD is to be administered. My husband is an employee here at the VA, and he told me that they were looking for normal people, and uh, I volunteered. And she drinks the drink, and then they come back about half an hour later, and it's just the best thing I've ever seen. She's going, oh, can you see that? Can you see that? You can see the air. Oh, I just couldn't. I couldn't possibly tell you. It's, it's here. Can't you feel it? This whole room, this, this, everything is in color, and, and I can feel the air. I can, I can see it. I can see all the molecules. Oh, it's just... It's just passed through me. <laughs> Everything's in colour. And of course, the, thing, the whole thing's in black and white. And I'm thinking, well, it was black and white back then, obviously. And she's just, it's just the sweetest thing you've ever seen. Oh. The guy just keeps asking her questions. Oh. And she says, I wish I could talk in technicolour oh. so I could describe what oh. I can see, you know. Oh. Anyway. But clearly she was a very well-rounded person because... Well, she could articulate um, Back in well. um, mm. my um, dark drug-taking dark days... days yeah. As an addict, I did keep going back to LSD to try and see if I could have a good trip on it. Mm -hmm. But um, I must have done it maybe four or five times. And every time Mm -hmm. I was a quivering wreck Uh of horror for eight hours of blood coming out of walls, people trying to kill me. I mean, it was the worst thing ever. And I think it was because I wasn't happy in my head. Yeah, happy in your head. Oh, this woman seems um, it was the, delightful. It was a nightmare. You know. So that, I'm going to watch it. Uh, yeah, it's a, the, 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 there's a whole hour of it. There's just a little five minutes of before and after. But I watched it last night and, oh, my God, I thought oh, well, this thanks. is so Good. great. We'll both go and watch you that. You both go and watch that. The other thing I mm-hmm. wanted to say thank you to you for, because you recommended it to me and mm-hmm. I've now downloaded it onto my phone. You, um, as yeah. I've got to know you a bit better, mm-hmm. your IMDb thing... <sighs> That you will not watch a movie unless it's got over eight on IMDb. Oh and you'll look it up and you'll go, it's only a 7.5, but I might watch it. Then you'll read all the reviews. I then went and downloaded IMDb as an app onto my phone. Have you got it, Megan? Yeah. You yeah. have? Yeah. Has everybody got it? Everybody's got it. Am I yeah, so yeah. late? You're late to the table have on this one. Have you got it? Because it's a game changer. Today they've sent me through some films I should see mm-hmm. to recommend and... Um, like you can read up about the actors. I I love it's it. Totally I a comprehensive guide. It's the go-to guide. It's the for go-to anything, guide because there's lots of reviews you have on to there. Turn the notifications off though. I did. Really, yeah, I never get, crazy, I right. get notifications on. <laughs> well, the one other thing I did want to tell you about is the an old film that I watched back in 2012 called Looper. Have you ever seen Looper? Nope, never you seen, seen Looper? Looper. Writing it down. Really? Writing it down. Oh my god. So as you know, my rule is under two hours and over seven on IMDb. <laughs> this has got a 7.4 and it's one hour 53. Like it fits in. To the, the ballpark perfectly. Now, it's a it's set in the future, yeah. and it's a time travel movie. I love a time travel movie because of all the things that happen between going forward and going backwards, and the alterations that take place. So it's called Looper, and it's set in 2074 when the mob wants to get rid of someone. The target is sent into the past, back to 1934, yes. to get shot by a Looper. So you're me in 30 years. Sun's down into your eyes. It's too strange. Your face looks backwards. Do you know what's gonna happen? You done all this already as me? I don't want to talk about time travel. We both know how this has to go down. So why don't you do what old men do 
and die. Why don't you just take your little gun over between your legs and do it? Boy. So the looper stands basically with a gun. The guy comes back from the future and then he gets shot immediately. And therefore he's died then, but the body doesn't exist then, if you can imagine. So it's a way of murdering people and getting rid of the body. I know you're finding this a bit confusing, but don't I'm gonna have worry. To, I'm really lost. And at some point what happens is the loop gets closed, right? Listen. <laughs> what happens, the loop gets closed because themselves, the looper themselves, in the future, get sent back. And they kill themselves, the future version of themselves. Do you understand? And then does everybody they've ever shot not die? No, because the present... I don't know. The, I, the no, present self... It's like a riddle. Know, the present self is still alive. So in 3034, but what you know now is you've only got 30 years to live. You know what's going to happen to you. You're going to get sent back 30 years and then killed. Do you understand? No? Yes, but I... It's depressing. I don't know if I want no, 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 no. So, no, no. It's it. really exciting. Really? It's really good because his, his, his self comes back and he doesn't kill him. So now there's two of him. It's too much for me. I no, need to watch it. You do no, need to I watch mean, it. If you recommend me a film, I know it's going to be good. Okay. Because you are so picky. Yeah. yeah. If I recommend you a film, mm-hmm. you're never quite sure because I really like some absolute turkeys. You do like so, that turkey, but so, it's, all, it's So all it's always a bit of a yeah. grey area for you, but I know this is going to be good. Uh, the, the other reason it's going to be good, Emily Blunt. Oh, I love Emily Blunt. Bruce Willis. Ooh. I love Bruce Willis. Okay. Die and Hard, and what a, a way to go. People. I go on IMDb and have a look. It's on Netflix, so it's essentially free if you've got Netflix. But it's as good as any film that's been released in the last 12 months, and if you've not seen it, go and watch it. It is brilliant. I think if they made it now, it would be sensational because of all the kind of CGI stuff they could do to it now. So I'd give it an 8 out of 10. But if, if they remade it now, I'd give it like a 9.5 out of 10. I enjoy I mean, it so much. He just doesn't do that. So that's big. That's we've a got, big We've got to watch yeah. it. Okay, Friday Text me, it. Text me yeah, once yeah, you've yeah. watched it. Right. Uh, what, what age is it? Oh, Conchester, it's a good question. Is it violent? Uh, yes, but not horrifically violent. I would definitely let both my kids watch it. Okay. No bother okay. whatsoever. They're 14 and 16, so I, I think Chester could watch it. It's not. It's nothing outrageous, you know. Should we give uh, Megan a round of applause? We love her. I thought you were going to say, should we give Megan a, like a vote out of 10? <laughs> I was uh, like, no. 10. 10. Yeah, yeah 10 okay, 10 out of 10. Range. I know, it just felt a bit weird. 10. Okay. Love you. Like Steve writes <laughs> the big show. Thank you so much. It's absolutely brilliant. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.